welcome to another episode of La Ventanita. I'm Carlos Frias, the Miami Herald food editor, your co-host, along with Amy Reyes. Wait, that way. Yeah, Point I did that it. Way. Point this way. We got it. It feels unnatural that we're pointing yeah, in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's very direction. bizarre. But, yeah, we did it. We did it. Uh, so, so this is, uh, we had to record this uh, episode because I'm going to be out of town. Where are you uh, going, Carlos? Whoop, whoop. I'm going to Chicago. <laughs> what you going yeah. for, Carlos? I'm going because I need, I need time off after eight months of nonstop work. Also, it turns out that there are some awards in Chicago. That, what awards are there, Carlos? These are the James Beard Awards, Amy. <laughs> tell me more, Carlos. I really think you need to go on and on and tell us what you're going to do this weekend. I think we've done, we've said and done enough about, well, but you know what? We'll get into that because this is an all banter show. Uh-huh. We're here all to right. banter. That's right. An all banter show. So we'll be talking about uh, Miami's Michelin star possibilities. Uh, by the time this is dropping, this is a few hours before uh, the Michelin Guide will uh, announce which Miami restaurants will be among the first to receive stars. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about which places we think could nab some stars. The, I, I wrote a predictions column that had people pretty angry, uh, I which, say. which I love. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was rage fuel, like yes. stuff I remember from my sports writing days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really, it was, I really enjoyed that. I can't wait to hear like what the best hot takes from the Twitter feuds were. Ooh, ooh, I can read some of those. Well, I'll pull up some of those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Great. So, so to, and, and we'll talk about the James Beard Awards, obviously, which, uh, the, the, the media ones, which nobody cares about, are Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and the real one, the, the chef the people, ones. The people who do the cooking. <laughs> yes, the actual chef ones are on Monday. Uh, and uh, we have somebody nominated in that, one person nominated as a finalist. Um, so since this is an all-banter episode, uh, to help us banter, we've invited a professional banterer on the show. <laughs> That's Ryan Pfeffer. Uh, Ryan is the main food reviewer for The Infatuation. Uh, it's the online restaurant guide that bought out The Zagat Guide. You remember The Zagat Guide? Yes. Uh, so we'll talk about The Zagat Guide. Uh, Ryan dines out for work more than anyone I know. Uh, he's His been stomach the- must be so strong. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, and the thing is, he, he dines out at the fancy restaurants that could end up with a Michelin star. And he's been to the hidden mom and pop restaurants all over Miami. So, uh, so I really can't think of anyone better to banter with us today. Uh, so welcome, Ryan. Hey, y'all. Come Thanks on in the it. show. Am I on? Am I live? Am I here? You're here. <laughs> How are you doing? It's so nice to talk to you, too. And it, it, congratulations, Mr. Humble over here. Two-time James Beard award winner. I don't hear Ryan food. at all. Does anybody here else have a problem hearing Ryan? I hear him. You don't hear him? I do not hear him. He's just pretending oh. not to hear me because I'm congratulating him on his James Beard Oh, that's Beard too bad, Carlos, because he's congratulating win. you on being nominated for a James Beard Award. Oh, that that's is so a nice. Well, now I see Ryan. I'm here. Check, oh. check. One, two. One, two. <laughs> well, welcome, dude. Like I said, I think today is just like a fun a fun day to just kind of banter and talk about Miami's ridiculous uh, – uh, all well, Miami's ridiculousness in general, uh, and we'll talk about Michelin and all this stuff. How are you yeah, doing? Which, I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous. Uh, like you said in your intro, Carlos, this the Michelin conversation, the Michelin discourse is tense right Very now. Heated. I did not, I did not expect so many people to be on edge. I didn't know people still. Well, this maybe speaks to my own ignorance a little bit. You know, the Michelin guy never really plays into my life. A lot, because I grew up in South Florida. We never had the Michelin stars. When I travel around the world, I don't often find myself at Michelin restaurants. They tend to be slightly out of my own personal budget. But people are, yeah, I mean, everyone is really on the edge of their seat. Everyone feels really tense. This has been a long time coming. 
And I mean, it, it does make sense, you know, like I was thinking about it earlier just after seeing some of these opinions, especially that you got for your piece, Carlos, <laughs> you know, but if you're, if you're like an actor starting out, I mean, I guess you dream of an Oscar one day, but if you're a young chef starting out or going through culinary school, you, you dream of a Michelin star. And I mean, that's still true. And so there's just a lot of people in town who have been working really hard and now finally have a moment to get recognized for that work and, and be taken to a level that they once probably dreamed of. So I get why the emotions are running high. I'm going to try not to piss anyone off too much. Wait, Carlos, Carlos. So tell me, tell me first, what was the, what was the most impassioned hot take that you got when you were interacting with people on Twitter about the topic? Well, I I think what's the funniest thing is that it's none of them are chefs. None of them are people that actually are working in the restaurant. They're They're, diners. They're all, they're all, uh, uh, hobbyist diners. Okay. They're dining enthusiasts, you know, um, they're sports diners. Yes, they're sports centers. Exactly. The sports fan is exactly uh, comparable to the to the dining out fan. It's like all the UM fans who didn't go to UM, right? Like all, <laughs> all the Miami Dade people who cheer for UM. That's who the that's who I got comments from. Uh, and it was all like um, it's the kind of stuff that you expect. Like people have their opinions about which places should get Michelin stars from a one to three or not at all. And if you disagree with them, they, you know, you have an email address and they tap into it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, from the, the, the list that Carlos made, Carlos's list had um, you had chosen three for a three star as three star candidates. You picked. Oh, wait, no. You picked um, Los Fuegos, L'Atelier. Le, I don't know how to pronounce it. La Jardinier. Le, it's it's <laughs> La Jardinier. I believe. Le Jardinier. And don't look at me. I have no idea how to pronounce it either. <laughs> this is the one that we. This is the one that we had to like Google it. Naoe. Naoe. Look at you. Look at you. Like uh, like doing one of those those uh, slide rhymes. Like Naoe. Na- Japanese place. Um, and then the the restaurant at the surf club. Those were Carlos's five five. Educated guesses for a three-star award. Ryan, what do you think? What's your hot take on his hot take? I think Carlos has some good contenders in there. Um, I've been to all of them. I have been to all of them. Um, Los Fuegos, I'm going to knock off that list. Politely, I'm going to knock it off, though. I didn't have the greatest experience when I went, but that was a few years ago. Maybe they've gotten their act together. Go on. What happened? you know, just we have a review up on our website, theinfatuation.com backslash Miami that, that articulates <laughs> it better than I can now. But, you know, the Faena, man, the Faena is kind of weird. I, every time I step in there, I feel like I'm going to get arrested if I touch something. It's not a very hospitable environment. Everything is made of gold and it's like so luxurious. And it's just some service issues. But I will say some of their steaks are really exceptional. The, the food is if you order the right thing there, they have this giant meat platter that comes with like five different cuts of meat and blood sausage and i took a friend of mine we ate it all and i really genuinely almost had heart attacks like at the table (laughs) so that was the best part of of my meal there Um, well you know what uh um michael schwartz who is uh i I think is gonna get a star um is he he told me he's like you know we we like to go to los fuegos but it's a mortgage payment when we go like for sure he's like it's totally worth it but it's it like we feel it, and he's like a he's making pretty good money. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And, and you know yeah. that's the, that's the thing about um, the enthusiast uh, Michelin star diners is like 
it's really people who have that kind of disposable income that like two people could go out to a place. I mean, what do you figure your bill was at at Los Fuegos for the two of you guys? Oh boy, when I ordered that giant meat platter, I mean, it was over three hundred dollars. You had a couple drinks in the starter, and and many. I mean, you know, we we talk a lot in the infatuation about when we should talk about price because look, a restaurant is allowed to be expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. a place like Naue, which I've been, which was might he be knows how to most- pronounce it, Carlos. <laughs> I'm also <Yeah>. guessing, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I had some sake that night, but I'm pretty sure it was now. Um, okay. And that was, I think the most expensive dinner I think I've ever been to when it was all said and done drinks and tip and all that stuff. It came out to just under a grand, I think about 900 and change. Um, but a restaurant that firmly deserves to be in that price point, it, exceptional food, really like just breathtaking experience food i mean i've never felt more like i was in japan than i have at that restaurant I mean, you're drinking sake from his family's brewery in japan the soy sauce also is made at his family's brewery he's flying in all these like really interesting dishes from japan and the best part of that dinner is i mean chef chef kevin Corey and, and wendy his, his really excellent uh, assistant and server it's really just a two-person operation over there they're both local they both went to high school here we were chatting about their favorite restaurants in North Miami Beach where they live. Uh, so it was at once this sort of really fine dining, high-end luxury experience, but it still felt connected to Miami in a really satisfying way. So I, I'm rooting for Naue. If you gave me a, a suitcase full of money and sent me to Vegas and told me to place a bet, a sure bet on the Michelin pick, I, I'm going surf club. Because I, I just feel like that is really in their wheelhouse, really impeccable service, beautiful restaurant. And great, great food. I mean, I, I know you went, Carlos. You wrote that wonderful article about trying to keep your bill under what was it, two hundred dollars? Two hundred dollars. I was like, can 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 uh, can a couple go to the <laughs> surf club and eat for two hundred dollars? Yeah, yeah. The answer is maybe. If the you answer water. is maybe. The answer is maybe. Yeah. yeah no the drinks. answer is don't get a bottle of wine. Yes. And don't, don't get, get dessert. Well, well. If I remember, we each had a glass of wine. We shared an appetizer. We had uh, we had dessert, and I think I and I had pre-calculated what the taxes were, but I had not counted on the city of Surfside's taxes or the town mm. of Surfside. So it put me at like two hundred and eight dollars or something Oof. with with uh, I think it was no, it was before tip. I think it was before tip. I forget. And as I recall, you ordered the chicken, right? We had like yeah, the whole roasted chicken, and it was amazing. It was. One of the most delicious, amazing chickens. And then yeah, if you're if you're watching the show, you can see the the Surf Club review on the infatuation over there on the right. Um, and you should check out the infatuation because honestly, Ryan, seriously, what you guys do, I think, is the way that people really appreciate dining reviews, which is you guys do them all on Insta stories. It's so it's so smart. And then you save them so you could go on the infatuation site in Miami and like look at each review. And it's just like and you have fun with it. You are not stuffy, which is the thing that I. It, it's the least. It's the least fun part of my job is the critic side when we do review a place, because people take it with such reverence. And I think that you the you take it, uh, you take it seriously, or rather, you take it like it's important, but it's not serious. You don't take it serious. So you you have fun. You joke around. You know. You show us everything you order, and um, and I think you you really don't waste time on um on places that suck. You actually just like, 
you will you will write about places that that are good and worth your time and worth you insta storing for three hours. So right, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for all that, Carlos. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I do certainly end up at <laughs> no shortage of places that suck, but we there's I mean there's a lot of exciting food to cover in Miami right now, and yeah, I mean that's what drew me to the infatuation in the first place is we understand the impact of what we do and we take it very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. And we like to write in a language that feels accessible for people who, you know, have no idea what a Michelin star is, honestly. And and we like to write for people who live in the city and we're not afraid of a poop joke here and there, but, you know, at the same time, we, we do, we do treat the art form and the craft of, of restaurant criticism very seriously. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a blast. I, my, I've written for a few different beats, around in Miami over the years, but man, I'm glad I landed on food. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It is fun. And I think the most fun is just like, is just talking to regular folks, just really regular folks. Like you said, the folks at Nawe, Nawe, Connie talked to them for, uh, you know, they were named, I think the best, best sushi restaurant. Yeah. They got Forbes, um, five stars, I think. And then they also got named best sushi restaurant in Florida. They get, they get all the awards. And so she talked to me and she, and, she lo- and you know, that, that's one of the nicest things is to hear folks that are local and are doing something that they are personally passionate about, you know, and, and I think that that, those are, pl- that, that to me is just as important as going there and having a great experience is knowing that the place is somehow connected to uh, the fabric of Miami. I think that's cool, you know. Yeah, especially right now, right? I mean, we're living at this really interesting intersection where we're simultaneously having all these local wins, these chefs who've been here for years, and some people were born and raised here, like Beltran from Ariette, Itame, you know, Boyaday, Luca, Zitsum. I mean, many of these people that you and your colleagues have written really beautiful profiles on telling telling their stories. Um, and so you have that side of the Miami scene that is really getting some hard-earned wins, but then you kind of also have this avalanche of really wealthy out-of-town restaurant groups who are moving into town, some of which are really good and exciting, and some of which are not so much. So it's Michelin's coming to town at a really interesting time, and I'm curious to see kind of what balance they're going to strike with their picks in, in that sort of, in those two sides that are kind of coming together in the restaurant scene right now. When, when I think about the New York restaurants, I think of the vendors outside of a Dolphins game, like, hey, everybody's going to the Dolphins game. Hey, you want some uh, hot dogs? You want some uh, T-shirt? You know, number one team. Like, I think that's that's how I see the the New York restaurants is like everybody's already. Now, when I think down of the here, New York restaurants, what I think I think of that. Um, what was it? John Waters film Pecker, where you've got like uh, this photographer and I think he was in Baltimore and like he becomes like a big sensation. And then the New Yorkers like they get on a bus to come to his gallery in Baltimore and they're all looking around and they're like, Oh, how quaint. Oh, everything's so inexpensive. Oh, it's so cheap. Oh, look at the girl who washes clothes. You know, like it was, I just feel like we, we feel very quaint and very like inexpensive and very, you know, like, like a, like a great bargain, you know, plus the sunshine, you know, like, I feel like that's kind of how New Yorkers perceive us. Like they're just like, yeah, this is cheap. You guys are undervalued. You know, so I, I feel like that's where most of that influx is coming from. And and you know what? I feel like, to borrow a British phrase, I feel like Miami takes the piss out of uh, fine dining in the sense that, like, one of the things that set uh, the only three-star uh, Michelin three-star restaurant in Chicago apart, um, Alinea, or Alinea, uh, is like one of the, it's like their tasting menu also includes like a balloon that is edible that you 
breathe the scented air out of it, and then you eat oh, the balloon. No. If you did that in Miami, like they would laugh you out of the room. And and I think that that's <laughs> like I don't know, like maybe I, I think we will cross that threshold at some point. Like people are gonna go uh, theatrical because I think that's really what separates. Well, they do do the all kinds of goofy stuff here. Like if you ever go to like, yeah, but they involve it? vuvuzuelas. <laughs> I mean, Barton G was one of the first restaurants. Yeah, that I, was I was gonna doing. say like yeah. Barton G. Barton G. Really made the whole theatrics. And like, if you go to like, I, I know it's not like a local place, but if you go to like Sugar Factory, they'll bring out like a like a mallet for you to like bang on some chocolate thing. And it's you know, it's all kind of kind of dumb theatrics for you to get to mediocre food. But you know, I, I think that they're. <laughs> I don't think people hate that. I think people yeah. are kind of, I think people are kind of right. into the experience. Like that's why, that's why they put a, a sparkler on your bottle so that everybody can see the spectacle of you getting, getting your fancy thing. I'm you special know? today. Look at me. Here it comes. It's my I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. <laughs> I've been experiencing a lot of sparklers lately. I'm working on a club strant guide. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I regretted it the second I, I, I came up with the idea, and it's proven to be a real pain in the ass ever since. But we also need. I feel like I get so many bachelorette court party questions, and so many people looking for that like classic, fun Will Smith shiny shirt, South Beach kind of night out. And I need like something to sort of give them to sort of help guide them through that very difficult. I feel like this is a useful guide. This is a useful guide for people who don't want to have to scream over their food when they're, when they're hanging out with friends. You know what I'm saying? Like these are the places I'm going to not go so that I don't have to listen to a DJ trying to spin while I'm like eating my, (laughs) eating my (laughs) pasta, you know, because that, that for me, I find that, I find that vibe like off putting. Yeah, we do. There is an old school infatuation Miami guide that needs to be updated. So maybe don't look it up. But it was called um, where to where to go, where to avoid big, loud groups who want to take shots and celebrate something. Because that I'm right, is I'm right there a utility you. story right there. Yep. So if you can Google that, it's it's somewhere. It might need an update. But yeah, I, I, I find myself the places that I really love going to now are just calm, relaxed places where I can have a conversation, drink something good, eat something good. I mean, that's why I... When I find myself eating in my spare time now, not work related, just for pleasure, I'm always I end up at uh, Paradise Books and Bread, which oh nice your colleague. Do you live Connie, up north? Yeah, I'm in I'm in Mimo, so I'm only about ten minutes away. Um, so yeah, that's my spot, and it's just kind of it's so refreshing. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so refreshingly on Winwood and on Brickle and on Chaos Miami yeah. kind of. For me, oh, wait, that I place is to- uh, is Tinta Cafe. Is like mm, that, that's. That's very, very similar vibe, you know, books, chill, no Wi-Fi or, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, good chill food that's uh, that's very accessible. And that, that's but wait, y'all, that. I want to get back to the um, to the the Michelin thing. Here are Carlos's picks for two star candidates. He's now, wait, before not- let me preface both of these. These are like places that I think could fall into that realm. Like, I don't right. think that even those three-star candidates, I didn't think they that. They could get Yeah, I didn't think stars. we'd have we'd have five three-star restaurants. These are Carlos's like, yeah. picks. Carlos's picks. Yeah. Anyway, here, here. Okay, so he picked Amara Paraiso, Ariete, Boyade, Coat, uh, Machialina, Orno, or Mame, and or Mame. Those are his choices for two stars. He feels like they... He feels like they could get multiple stars, but maybe not three. And you know so what? what and I would I, I put I put stubborn seed down in three stars, but I think that I mean in one star, but I think if there's a two star, that that place could be in in the conversation too. 
Yeah, I think those are all in the playing field. Here's the place from that list that I really hope makes it because it makes so much sense for Michelin. I mean, Michelin's going to have a tough time in the city for all the reasons we just talked about. And, you know, we're not classically a fine dining city and they seem to really care about that. However, I think Ariette is the perfect restaurant for the guide because it is Miami, like undeniably foundationally Miami, but it's also infused with sort of upscale fine dining French food. I mean, they do the duck press over there. The monkfish Wellington they do is ridiculous. And I think Mike Beltran has just infused kind of Michelin-ness with Miami-ness in a way that no one else in the city really has. Um, and so I just hope I hope they, they show some love and recognize that because he's he's been doing very unsexy, unmarketable things at that restaurant since he opened it. But, you know, they're all driven by passion and his sort of love for, for that style of dining. And I think it makes sense for Michelin. I think it might be some parts of that restaurant might be a stretch for them, but I, I really hope they show it some love and recognize it. Cause it, it, that feels like a great win for Miami. If they do. Let's, let's talk about Ariette uh, for a second, because yesterday I found myself, you know, my, uh, I, I was alone for dinner. Like I was picking up some stuff and I was near coconut Grove and I was like, where do I want to eat right now? And I want to eat something that's, that's delicate. That wasn't like a big chop of, meat and like a glass of wine, you know, like, where can I go for something delicate? And I went to Ariette and I had not had their, what they call their versos sencillos, their uh, simple verses, which is their tasting menu. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm just going to do their tasting menu. And, and I was blown away because that kind of food was stuff that you only saw from Brad Kilgore, like four years ago, that Mm -hmm. really delicate, thought out food that comes to you in, you know, gourmet portions, i.e. tiny portions, but many of them like five, six, seven, the chef will invariably send over something between courses, you know, and, um, and it was delicate and it was refined and the flavors were amazing and it was beautiful to look at. And like you said, you know, his, he, he has evolved. Like there, there was once he'd put a pastrami uh, that he does on the menu, like a piece of pastrami. And it was this the short hunk. rib. Yeah. Yeah. It was a short rib pastrami and it was this hunk of pastrami. And now instead you get it in these three little slices as part of the tasting menu. So it's like he has evolved into some, into a more kind of refined creature as far as his food. Uh, former football <laughs> player, former football player turned, uh, turned a fine dining chef, which I think is great. So, <laughs> And uh, hey, look, he's as Miami as it gets. He's 305, very proudly wears that label and, and fights for the city. And yeah, yeah, it's serving really incredible, interesting food and constantly tweaking his menu. So I, I, th- I hope the inspectors, whoever they may be, stopped by and paid him a visit. Somebody with monocles. Like <laughs> yeah. Every, I know. I feel like the Michelin Guide inspectors are going to stick out a lot in Miami. They're probably somewhat easy to spot. Yeah, unless you, you know what? I think they they might be locals. They might hire they might have hired local people to that that were kind of experts in food, you know. Ryan might be one for all we know. For all we know, you could be a secret Michelin secret Michelin taster. inspector. But the whole process is very mysterious. I mean, Carlos, you wrote that wonderful piece trying to get an answer to a seemingly simple question, which was how much money exactly did we spend to get them here? And that turned into a whole reporting journey for you. Yeah. And so I, even their, um, you know, their standards that they rank restaurants on, on their website, it's the quality of ingredients, the mastery of flavor, the sort of personality of the chef and the food that, you know, they're kind of very vague metrics. So it's just yeah. like, no one knows what's going to, my only guarantee for Thursday afternoon is that there's going to be some people who are pissed off. That's yeah. the only inevitability. 
Can I share a little inside tip though? Uh, just because of the reporting in general, I, I know several chefs that have been invited to the, to the announcement. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know any of these, Ryan, so feel free to chime in if you've heard. So chefs from, uh, from Boyade, Itame, uh, uh, Michael's Genuine, and Ariette, um, I know have been invited to, uh, to be at the ceremony. And I don't think that you get invited to be told you didn't win anything. You know, like, well, it seems kind of, like kind of mean. That, yeah. that would be super mean. Be like, Welcome, just be here. Come to our thing. Come to our thing. Don't tell anybody, okay? But also, will you get nothing? <laughs> well, that's that's a great. I mean, uh, Itame is our highest ranked restaurant on our website right now, so I would so love to see them really rank in all the accolades and awards. But that makes me happy. That's and Boya Day is exceptional, phenomenal, and just gets better every time I go to that restaurant. So that's a solid. That's a solid lineup. You know, Boya Day is a place that I have to go back to. I, I'll be honest. I went for dinner with um, with some friends, uh, not even early as Sean, like six months into it opening, and I did not have a good experience there. Like, uh, can I tell you that I had, I wouldn't say I didn't have a good experience there, but I went and I was like, this place is good. This place is cute. I really like it. And, but I didn't leave being like, this is one of the best restaurants in Miami. I went back like a year later and I visited several times since, and now I'm, it's, they have improved and worked. And, you know, that happens sometimes with a small team mm-hmm. when you're sort of a local independent restaurant, you have, there's so much to figure out and navigate when you're first starting off in that first year. And that's a big reason why we revisit restaurants. Um, but boy, a day, you, you need to make a return trip because they have really sort of honed in their system there. And it's phenomenal. It's our second highest rated uh, restaurant on the site. And that wasn't the case when I first visited. So we've really bumped them up because I think they, they they sure have earned it. And I think I think restaurants, you know, the, when we talk about restaurants, really, we're just talking about people. And like people have off days, you know, and Mm -hmm. maybe the one day like we did, we were under the AC vent, you know, and maybe that's why the food was cold, you know, and, and all those things play into it. And, um, and it's like anything else, you know, you, you, you want to give places enough of a chance to, to prove themselves. So we had an off day when we went, we went one time to, um, to Chugs and remember, remember Carlos, we were like, oh, what's going on here? I came back like the following weekend and everything was amazing. Yep. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I that. think, Places yeah, are like I think that. that it's just like it depends on on what you order, who's serving you, and what's going on that day. I think is a lot of what happens. But maybe, maybe that's also too what, what separates. Like, if you end up being a three star Michelin restaurant, you never have an off day. Like, I think that means like what yeah. I've heard. What I've heard anecdotally is that in the first year of the guides, there'll be no three stars, and. A, a, a two, if you have a two star, that may it, it may take a couple of years or at least one year to prove that you're doing something consistently well. Like I went to uh, early on, like uh, when um, uh, the French Laundry uh, got its third star, we were in we were in Napa. We lucked into uh, reservations. This was like 2003, I want to say, and um, and it was one of those meals where you were in a very kind of comfort kind of refi- it was like an old farmhouse so like imagine a restaurant outfitted into an old farmhouse very rustic the staff was very low key like they like they were like everybody had taken a hit of pot you know everybody had like everybody was just chill and they were like hey try this you know we think you really like this and in between courses like at the end at the end like they had made their own candies and they they told the women at the tables like hey open up your purses and they just like dumped 
these beautiful oh wrapped candies into their purses. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of thing where they um, they knew that for a lot of folks, it might be their only visit and they wanted to make it fun and memorable. And it's probably why people that can afford to or live close enough to, to continue going to these kind of places uh, really appreciate that they feel relax like it's not like you're gonna grab the wrong fork or the wrong spoon right. you know and then the the mater d is gonna look at you with a weird face no like like you don't belong here yeah like the, <laughs> the sommelier brought us the wine list and he brought and he showed us like like he'll he said three different wines like oh this is a very nice xyz wine and it was like a 50 dollar bottle Mm-hmm. And then he said another one and it was in the hundreds. And then he was another one and it was in the high hundreds. So he was, they were not necessarily saying, you guys look broke to us. You look too poor to afford a good yes. wine. <laughs> yes. But, but they were saying like, I, I don't, I'm not going to judge you from which ca- they kind of gave us categories. So we didn't, and like all those little things make a difference. And, and I felt that when I went to the surf club, which is not the same level of fancy as, as, uh, as uh, uh, French laundry. But it also had this kind of thing where, well, like what I was saying earlier, they take what they do seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously, you know. Um, and I think that that's that's something special, you know. I think that's well, something that's how that I feel about I, that's how I feel about most Miami places where that where you know that are these chef driven restaurants. Like even when you go to like Kush or you you know what I'm saying, I feel like they take their burger seriously. You know, I feel like I feel like most Miami. Um, most local Miami restaurant bros that are trying to do something cool, I feel like they take themselves seriously. They take their their work seriously, but right. they're all like coming onto your podcast with a, like a an ape costume, like they're a guy they're in a gorilla trying, suit in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're trying to have fun with it, and you know Miami is a, a fun place to be. So it would be it would be weird to 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 try and act like making food is something. That it's not, you know, like you know what it's. That's why emo music never caught on in Miami. Like it's too hot, it's too hot, and the people are wearing too little clothes to be that dark and serious. It's too sunny, it's too sunny, and people aren't wearing enough clothes. That's why booty music it, it rules Miami because you know people wearing enough. Take clothes. it off. Yes, it's too damn hot to be that emo. Don't wear black. Okay, so well, the Miami, the Miami goth—that's the saddest existence. Yeah, you know, constantly sweating. <laughs> the hottest, sweatiest existence—that only makes you more goth, I think. <laughs> Here is the last, the last group that Carlos highlighted in his story, and I need to read this simply because there is a place in Kendall on this list. Oh boy! So here we go: Cafe La Trova, Carbone, Fiola, Guy, Itame, Luca. Makoto, Michael's Genuine, and Nave. Those are, oh wait, Osteria Morini, Stubborn Seed, Uchi, Zitsum, Zuma. Sorry. The, the yeah, screen, there was a break in the, the, uh, screen, the screen. stuck. <laughs> but yeah, those are the ones that he picked. And I personally would really enjoy it if the place in Kendall got a star. That would be great. And I honestly, I think Guy, I haven't been to most of these restaurants on, on Carlos's list because it's not my job to eat all the food in Miami, but... Guy, I have been to, and Guy is a wonderful experience. And I've never, I've been to Guy like three times, and I've never had a bad experience at Guy. And the food is always amazing. Yeah, so yeah. I hope he somebody deserves, hears that. He deserves love. We actually have a review of the Dadeland uh, location in the works right now. We had one of the Design District one. Tragically, that place closed during the pandemic, which is such a shame. For some reason, the, the Kendall place house. was sustainable. And it's old Greg's now. It's old Greg's. 
So, so old so. Greg's, which I also really like. Old Greg's is great, but yeah, yeah Gee deserves some love. They've been, you know, there's such. I mean, we don't have a massive Indian population in South Florida, and what Gee is doing is filling that gap, but also still being a really exciting restaurant that has its eye towards local ingredients. I mean, the chef Niven has his farm and homestead that he sources a lot of his ingredients for, and Gee's has been so consistent, such like a kind of. You know, they don't make a lot of hype over there. They keep their heads down. They do the work. And it's just been a great restaurant from kind of the moment it opened. So I, I really would love to see that. And, you know, repping Kendall, man. Shout out to Kendall. The other place that he um, – if, that- Wait. If Kendall, if Kendall gets a Michelin star, like I, Amy's going to have to start her own podcast because that's you know all what? we it will ever be- talk about. <laughs> It almost might be like the editor who edited or wrote the story about how all of the Ken dolls from the new Barbie line are from Miami getting a Pulitzer. Right. That's what that's like. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and that is exactly a thing that happens. Like. So. Listen, Campbell's got some good food. We just found my writer just went to a place called Vice City Pizza, which oh, is yeah. a inside, uh, inside Abbey Maria, right? Inside Abbey Maria, correct. Yeah, Carlos told and, me I have uh, to go there. Listen, everyone loves that place. My writer, who is also named Carlos, Carlos Oliachea, he went. He says it's his favorite pizza in Miami right now. Um, wow. And everyone who goes there says that, too. And they're cooking other things other than pizza that are apparently really, really good. So we just added them to our pizza guide. And, yeah, so, listen, Kendall is getting some momentum. Five years, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if there's a lot more heavy hitters than Kendall, especially with the rent prices, right. what they are in the city of Miami. Well, you know something? We just posted um, uh, the the cover of today's paper. It, well, the cover of Wednesday's paper, since this is going out Thursday. But um, we posted our um, new restaurants guide. And there are so many new ones that are in Wynwood. And I haven't been to, like, any of them. And I wonder if you could give us, like, what are your favorite new Wynwood restaurants? Because it seems like there's so much opening in Wynwood that I, I don't even want to, I'll just go to the places that I already know that I like, you know, but like, what, what's yeah. your favorite new stuff in Wynwood? Boy, almost everything opening in Wynwood these days is terrible. Um, however. Wow. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> that can, is bad. Can we, get, can we get an amen on that? Yeah. That's the... I mean, it just is. And that, look, that's what happens when you develop a neighborhood so hideously that the only people who can afford to come in are, you know, bottled blonde, this terrible Arizona restaurant where servers zip around on tiny motorcycles. Uh, it just becomes such a, which is true. New Times actually wrote an article about that that was kind of hilarious. Uh, but you know, it's become such a clubby, clubby, nightlifey, ratchet kind of neighborhood. And before I shit on it too much, I will say two great restaurants have sort of opened up there in the last year. One of them is Doya. Doya is a big, spacious Mediterranean restaurant. I believe the chef. Used to have some sort of affiliation with mandolin, not anymore, but kind of maybe started out there. I'm not sure. But really delicious and interesting Mediterranean food. They kind of have, you know, they have the hips, they have the octopus, they have some other stuff you'd expect. But they also have kind of a lot of more interesting dishes that I haven't seen on a lot of Mediterranean menus. The cocktails are really good. It's not insufferably like sceney or clubby and the service is great. And so Doya is like kind of the only place I'm sending people, <laughs> the only new <laughs> restaurant I'm sending people in Wynwood these days. The other one is that my writer just went and he enjoyed. It's called Pez Loco. And oh, that okay. yep. is the restaurant that opened up in what used to be three. It used to be Norman Van Aken's spot, which was right. great when they opened. And then they yeah, went through a whole bunch fun. of. Yeah. Yeah. That place that was, was fun in the beginning, but like something mm-hmm. happened. 
Yeah. Something weird happened, but apparently now they kind of found their footing. Pez Loco is a Mexican seafood spot. Um, you know, not a exceptional restaurant, but a solid, I think we gave it a 7.5 and some really tasty dishes there. And also kind of in an area of Wynwood that is not quite as like insufferable. It's a little bit of a peaceful oasis, that kind of concrete complex that it's it's housed in. So it's right, it's right those, next to the uh, the salty donut over there, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. next to it. So those are the only two Wynwood place, places that, that I, I can, the only new Wynwood places that I can really recommend. But everything else there, I don't spend a lot of time in Wynwood. And I, I, a lot of my friends don't either. It's just people looking to get wildly drunk or tourists. And that's and kind of it. And yeah, it breaks my heart because yeah. that was my first introduction to Miami. My first job was at New Times and their office is in Wynwood. I got there like 2014, which, you know, by that time, the neighborhood was already gentrifying and it already turned. But it was it was much different. You had Wood and Gramps were like the only two bars. Then Box Elder popped up. And now it's I feel like the old man kind of back in my day. But it is unrecognizable. <laughs> what happened to the Wynwood yard? I used to hang out there with my children. <laughs> it, honestly, I used to be free. Yeah. I would take my coffee break. I'd go get a cafecito for like a dollar and I'd stroll through the Wynwood walls for free. And like mm-hmm. no one was there. And I had the place to myself, especially during summer. And it was a really special neighborhood back then. It's still special, but not for great reasons. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and and that was like such a signifier. Like you could go to Enriqueta's and get some coffee and get a pastelito and you could stroll through the Windwood walls, you know, and you go and to the yard. Was, I used to love hanging so, out at the yard. It was super It was chill. so low key, but now everything yeah. costs everything. Every like mm-hmm. you said, it's you it's there's price of admission to the Windwood walls and uh and there's a million things between that and Enriqueta's and and Box Elder, which was such a great craft beer bar got closed down because that whole corner had been sold to a developer and that developer went bankrupt. So now there's pretty soon not going to be anything where that <laughs> Ducati and that the Palmar used to be. All that stuff is just now empty. And it's oh, like somebody's uh, going to buy it and somebody's going to turn it into like a cheesecake factory. Yeah. In the meantime, they, they ruined a great corner, you know, so yeah, that's it'll be a, it'll be a Walmart soon enough. I mean, it's just this is what happens when you have the sort of orgy of greedy developers all climbing over one another. It just sort of tears the soul out of a neighborhood. And you know, well, it's just the most interesting places are are not in Wynwood these days because no one can afford it. And also locals don't really want to go there anymore. I know I don't. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I you know where I do want to go. We were um since we were talking about the, the new restaurants guide. I really love Biblos on Miami Beach. That was like my spot, like to go like for celebrations or whatever. Those folks opened a new place in the Grove called Amal. I haven't been there yet. Have you been there yet? I walked by it. I walked by it. Uh twice in the last couple of weeks and it's uh it's been full it's been packed every night oh man packed the, every night Beatles makes just good food like i remember yeah. one time i went i went with connie and we they killed ate you so with, much. they tried to kill you with food oh, didn't they man yeah, it was like murder you. by hummus it was just insane that's <laughs> everything a sting was song good. isn't that a sting song <laughs> murder yeah. by hummus it's a deep cut yeah yeah <laughs> no but it was great and that that was one place that i was ex- actually excited to be to 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 go and try because like that's one thing that will get me out of Kendall. Yeah, I'm going to go there within the next couple of weeks uh, to check it out. But I've been walking. I've been eating a lot in the Grove because we just updated our Grove guide. And I was walking by that restaurant progressively as they built it. And uh, it's it's a pretty restaurant. It's a really neat space. It's very bright, looks very comfortable. So I'm very curious to see that. I mean, the Grove is like where it's at now. Everyone's open in the Grove. Yeah. And it's become one of my favorite neighborhoods to eat in there's just so many options and a good mix of like old school kind of classic grove spots with like newer more exciting spots 
like cruise. Have you been to the key club yet? Did you go, did you go to that for your club restaurant guide? <laughs> no, that one is, I have my definition of a club restaurant is you have to be able to get up from your table and dance without getting kicked out without of the people restaurant. being mad. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. right. And I'm not sure if you could do that at the key club. However, my writer went, I sent him, um, it's sort of mixed reviews, you know. Did you, it did is you, what it is. Did you was part of the assignment you have to get up and try to dance and see what the results that <laughs> should have been that should have been part I, of the assignment. I don't I don't personally dance unless I I go heavy on the cocktails, but I I do I scan the room and I need to see at least one person dancing. Oh, so there was a scale of like how many chicks on couches were there? Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> sort chicks of chicks on couches. Scale. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, and there's like uh, I, I've been to some interesting places <laughs> that I will never return to. Uh, have, has there been uh, a place that you went to that you were like that stands out memorably for a terrible reason? You don't have to name the place, but name the experience. Just give us enough context clues so we can figure it out. Oh boy, there's a new restaurant in South Beach that's kind of gaining a lot of buzz, and I won't name them because I went on their second day in service, and it's just not fair to really judge a restaurant when that happens. But <laughs> my girlfriend ordered a martini. And they gave it to us with a handful of ice in the martini, that which it. was just so bizarre, so incredibly bizarre. Um, that ain't it. That's not how you do it. The martini, the martini doesn't no, like that. that. It likes no. being really cold, but not like that. It was weird. It was like a I can't even. That restaurant ended up not being a good experience. But, but you know, overall, I, but you know what I can say though. Yeah, that's not I'm not justifying. But like, uh, do you have you ever heard of the writer uh, Roger Angel? He used to write for uh, the New Yorker. Uh, he was where he was well known. He he edited mm-hmm. uh, John Updike and a bunch of other people. He was this really brilliant, beautiful baseball writer on top of everything. And his go to drink, he wrote this really great uh, long feature about the martini, kind of an ode to it. And and uh, part of what he wrote about was how you know, like the martini has to be really cold. Like that's almost the number one thing. Like it's mm-hmm. got to have just that kiss of vermouth, like without it being too vermouthy. And it's just got to be cold to where the point where he would even throw like one cube of ice in it like later because yeah. he he realized he wouldn't finish it if it wasn't cold, you know, uh, and he could deal with it if it was a little bit watered down. So Well, that's how I feel about Presidente. If it's not the right temperature, I will not drink a Presidente. And you have approximately like a certain amount of time to finish it before it warms up. Yes. To a temperature that I find uh, objectionable. Need a beer koozie for the uh, that, those go together. <laughs> the koozie and the Presidente. Yeah, it's got to be the the bottle should be a little bit frosty. Yeah, like a Corona, anything that's anything that's that 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 yellow pea water, you know that uh, <laughs> that 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 uh, healthy color of urine. Uh, that's the right. That's what the beer. That's what that beach beer should look like, and it should be. And it needs to be ice cold if it's like that. Right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, like what other like if moving on to a different neighborhood, if we were in the design district, where where are you going to go eat? It may, it may. If I want something a little nicer, um, if I want something a little more casual, I think I'm going to Old Greg's. Although I will say they have some good vendors. I'm not a big food hall guy. I'm kind of over them. But MIA, yeah. MIA Market, they have two people that I really like. They have Fouriette, which they do kind of rotisserie chicken. They have this pulled chicken sandwich and this really nice. They have this Cuban sandwich that's like eighteen dollars, but still really good. Um, and then there's this sushi place in there, Sushi Yasu Tanaka. Yasu, oh, they've, been not, they've been there for a long time, right? Yeah, now they're coming up. They're over a year there. Yeah. And Yasu, if I'm not mistaken, used to be the chef behind the omakase in the den, which is the omakase in Azabu in uh, South Azabu, Beach. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. That's where I was introduced to oh. Uni. I didn't know what Uni was prior to that experience, and I had it was very traumatizing. Describe, describe, <laughs> describe how you describe Uni, because I I know how I know how you've described it in the past. I have it in my head. Uni tastes like concentrated bad breath. It's a tongue. It's a tongue <laughs> it of soft. Like a tongue a soft full of tongue, bad breath. Soft tongue okay. of bad breath. Mm-hmm. So many of the best foods do kind of have like a stinky armpit sort of uh, flavor to them. It's true. It's it just true. Means that... I'm a pizza and burgers and steak person. <laughs> yeah. Go down the line. Like the first time that you have real truffles, like actual real truffles, you're like, oh, this has this has a funk. This mm-hmm. is a this mm-hmm. is a funk that this particular thing has. Uh, and it's like oh, yeah. it's it's a blue cheese type of funk it's like you said uh, an uni type of thing it's that that i guess umami flavor that that you oh, don't yeah. expect from something there's that's some me. there's some moldy cheeses out there that will knock you straight out <laughs> if you're not ready for them yeah, yeah. there's would you get into some of the france and boy they yeah there's some interesting foods out there i haven't encountered too many of them in miami but i'm always up for something that that tastes interesting i made i got served at Nowe. one of the first courses was this broth that had milk inside of it and milk is here we the go. Sperm, I think the sperm sack or the sperm. I'm not quite sure of the of, of the fish. I forgot what fish it was, but yeah, it was. It looked like a small intestine, kind of coiled in on itself. Um, and so it was, you ate you, fish sperm at at, at that now way. Yeah, I paid nine dollars to eat fish sperm, <laughs> and it was delicious. Let me tell you, it was amazing. It was like an oyster, kind of with the slight uni briny flavor to it. You would have hated it, Amy, but yeah. <laughs> it was it was interesting, and I loved it. I still think about that fish sperm sometimes. <laughs> God, if we didn't have sometimes to keep this a, G, a PG rated podcast, there's so many good jokes here. But late we'll at night, the, he thinks about that meal. <laughs> God, I just yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah. Uh, yeah, Pierre uh, just gave us the definition. A sperm-filled reproductive gland of a male fish. Plural, mm-hmm. noun, milts. Thank milts. you. Yeah. Ew. Yeah, and I think all right, that's, all, so that's all we if can we're say in, about that, If we're in Miami Beach then, if we're in Miami Beach then, where are we eating? South Beach, because um, mid-beach, I've been trying to work on a mid-beach guide and have found absolutely nothing over it's there. Thin. It it's is thin. the worst yeah. dining neighborhood in Miami. I'm willing to say that, although got to show love to 27. I love 27. 27 is um, great. Yeah. And Hoha Taqueria, the location they have over there in the generator is good. But South Beach, let's see. I have a South Beach guide. I mean, Machialina is a classic. and is I was so hoping you'd say that because that is the – if I had to send a person to just one place – in right. South Beach, that is not only exceptional, but also Miami. I would yeah. send them the Machiolino. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good, and it's always good, and it's always been good, and it will always be good. So Machiolino for sure. Tropezone is a really fun new gin bar on the end of Española Way, which is traditionally a street I do not eat on, but I really like that place, especially if you're looking for kind of a very boozy, fun night out. Uh, that is great. Takiza is my classic. I yep. I sort of always end up there because it is one of the few like cheap, casual, like great, consistently good places to go in South Beach. And you know, I gotta say, I just recently we're working on a classics, like a Miami classics guide, and I I checked in on. I'd never had a full meal here. I'd just been for drinks and dessert. Um, but I went to Prime One Twelve, mm. and Prime One Twelve still hits. It's kind of like our very Miami version of Peter Luger. Um, yep. Oh, that's a good, that's like, a really good comparison. Yep. <laughs> it feels that way. And it's, it's like a time capsule in there. It hasn't changed since 2004, but that's kind of why I like it. Cause there's all these big buzzy, like 
steakhouses opening up now that are so expensive and that are so over the top. And they're all kind of trying to do what Prime 112 is already really good at. And the food is good there. The martinis are very strong. Uh, I was there was an NBA player in line for me when I was standing to use the bathroom. That comes that these paid to be there at the restaurant every day. <laughs> Some NBA player. They're on a that schedule. Is the NBA hotspot. That is if you if I had a guide of of the where to eat if you really want to see an NBA player, uh, it's Prime One Twelve. For some reason, they love it over there. But it kind of makes it. It's just a fun old school South Beach experience. And I mean, two thousand four isn't nostalgic for many cities, but in a city so young as as South Beach, it it really it's starting to feel like a classic and and the food is still really good i gotta say so those are my those are my south beach places it feels a little bit like a like a it's like a joe stone crab but for meat like it's kind of a similar type of you know really great service really great food you know really good solid food um and a big night out it's your big night out it's you know what go go there or go to joe's instead of going to carbone like i think that's the that's that's well and and or, or go to macchiolina you know um, <laughs> yeah, uh, go anywhere but Carbone. Yeah, <laughs> you, now you went right. You went to Carbone and you had a like. I it's one of the few reviews that I saw on the infatuation that was like, go elsewhere, then <laughs> go go to a different. Uh, yeah. Pasta well, place. that was one of the first big negative reviews we did because I mean, obviously during the pandemic, it became very difficult to do negative reviews. Like, I, how do you you know critique a restaurant sort of in the heart of lockdown? We kind of stopped doing it. And then Carbone was just too big of a beast to ignore. It was everyone wanted to talk about it. Everyone wanted to know what was going on. And yeah, I went. The only reservation I could get was on 1130 on a Wednesday, which <laughs> sucked. And then I had, to wait, it. I had to wait 30 minutes for my table anyway. And, um, you know, it's just Carbone you had a meal at like midnight. He finished eating yeah. on Thursday. He started on Wednesday and finished on Thursday. <laughs> Literally, I got home at like 2 a.m. Um, it's just, you know, the food is fine. It's it's good. Italian food, but it's just not the event that it is masquerading as. And it's not the sort of dining experience that a lot of people are making it out to be. It's just kind of a C and D scene place. And we know what those are like in Miami. We have yeah, plenty we know, of them. We know what that's yeah. about. For, for some people, that'll be enough, though. I mean, that'll be enough. They just sure. want Listen, a big night out. And, oh, and as long as the food the most- is... It's not right. They're going to they're they're be, be one of the most profitable restaurants in, in Miami, period. So, yeah, they they don't they, that review didn't hurt them too much. No, I don't no, think no, no. they're doing just fine. Not at all. It's just like you, you can talk trash about Salt Bay when he was opening up and it was packed every <laughs> night, you know. Yeah. Screw Salt Bay for so many reasons. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's for mostly for his terrible restaurant. Yeah, all the all the milt for Salt Bay. All the money. <laughs> he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve milts, Carlos. That's a delicacy. <laughs> uh, well, Ryan, man, we appreciate you making such uh, such um, time to to talk with us and just kind of BS with us. And uh, and I think that like give us these, your hot takes. Yeah, we these really banter, appreciate your hot takes. These banter love, shows are our most fun things. Yeah. No, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a blast. I uh, work at home alone, so it's rare that I get to talk to other people who aren't my cat about food. This was <laughs> wonderful. Your cat is very insistent right now. We are hearing no, him. That is that your cat, Amy? Is that your cat, Amy? She's so pissed off right now. <laughs> your cat is so mad. She's been yelling She's for like so the last five minutes. Off. And I'm like, no, nah, bitch, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, I'm not opening the door for you. You're just going to have to chill. But she's very, very insistent right now. All right. Sorry. Well, before we let you go to feed her, we have to we have to uh, let Ryan play our game. We got to do yes. a food. We do a food kiss, Mary kill. Oh, sure. Let's hit me. Hit me. So let's just do the Miami classics. You got 
pastelito, croqueta, and Cuban cafecito. Kiss, Mary kill. Oh. What's it going to be? Oh, boy. Tough one. Um, kill and cafecito. No disrespect to cafecito. I think I burnt myself out on it when I first came to Miami. I was like, this is great. It's small, and you drink <laughs> it, and you feel like you're on cocaine. This is wonderful. And now I kind of had too much of it, and I've sort of graduated back to a more subtle one or two cups of coffee a day. Okay. Um, so that's kill cafecito. I'm going to kiss the pastelito. Okay. Um, because it's flaky and warm, and I feel like that would be a good experience. <laughs> and I'm going to marry the croquetta <laughs> because I truly – that's one of those foods, man. Some are better than the others. It's like pizza, but I've never met a croquetta that I didn't enjoy at least a little bit. So yeah. that is my ride or die. I'm going croquetta. That's a great I, – I, 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 I endorse all those selections for all those reasons. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great job. <laughs> Ryan, man, thank you again for making so much time, man. We appreciate it. Cheers, y'all. It's been fun. Carlos, congrats on your James Beard. Have fun in Chicago, buddy. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Talk soon, y'all. Bye. Talk Bye-bye. Banter hot show, takes. Amy. Banter show, hot takes. We got we got all the hot takes. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the the, the trolls tomorrow. They're gonna they're gonna come for you again. The trolls are gonna be so hungry, so hungry, <laughs> so rage filled. Well, I'm glad you did that story though, because I think it's important to like you know to to put it out there and let people know what what's on your radar. You know, yeah. because I think I think a lot of people have ideas about what a good dining experience in Miami is, and it's it's a it's a rainbow. But I, I do think that um. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that it's important that we discuss it. And don't forget to take a look at the um, the new restaurant guide that we have in yesterday's paper. <laughs> right, right, right. Take a look. We, we went through all of the, the new openings that we reviewed, uh, that we that we wrote, and then we synthesized them all into a master guide that is searchable by location online and stuff. But if you like paper, if you're a person who needs paper, Wednesday's paper has our new dining guide, new restaurant there, dining guide. There is a printed one. And, and and we should preface this by saying that um, that we get an avalanche of new restaurant opening announcements. And that's beyond the places that we find out about on our own. So yeah. we, so Connie and I kind of and, – and you, obviously, the three of us kind of go through and we decide which of these places sounds the most interesting. Which of these places sound like they're doing something truly different, not just – you know, opening, uh, um, you're right. <laughs> not, not just opening, not just beyond just opening. So right. then we, we put those together in, in this printed list, but, but it, it's, it's honestly better online. Go yeah. find the online version where it's sortable by price, by cuisine and by neighborhood. And, uh, right. and I think it's pretty useful and we update it. We update it. There's no place on there that's, uh, over a year old. Like right. we try to yeah, keep we update right it around. Like every, every like, you know, 30 to 60 days and we take off the older spots and the spots that didn't make it a year, which is a thing that happens in Miami. Um, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's something that you guys can use if you want paper. If not, you can find it online. It's, it's, it's very, very user-friendly. For sure. Amy, that feels like a show. I feel like we've reached peak banter. Peak banter. Next week, we'll we'll come back with somebody cool. I think we're going to try to find one of the Michelin star uh, uh, winners, and hopefully we'll have them on the show as well. That would be awesome. Awesome.